All right. Thank you all for being here. One more time. Can we give them a hand? Yeah. Um, glad that y'all are back with us. We love having you around. Um, this morning, uh, we are continuing our new series in the book of Matthew called Kingdom Come. We're talking about some miracles of Jesus, walking through those together. Um, and we're going to do that again today. So I'll pray for us before we start. God, thank you for today. Thank you that we get to be here, gathered together, worshiping you, learning from each other. There's so many things that bog us down and fill our minds. God, just for the next few minutes, will you just help us to breathe out some of those things? God, give us a message today. Let it sink deep, deep down into our hearts that it changes our life. God, if there's anything from me this morning that's not from you, God, I just ask that it'll be forgotten and it'll float away from us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, A few weeks ago, we shared brunch together. We shared stories from our lives with each other. We shared a few things. We shared moments of joy, moments of pain, and turning points in our life. And this was really awesome, so thank you if you shared. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. One interesting thing was the stories of pain, the moments of pain, I think is what we called them, were really more seasons of pain a lot of times. It wasn't just a moment of pain. It was days of pain, weeks of pain, months of pain, or even years where we were struggling with something. We were in a challenging situation. We felt hopeless. We felt helpless. Um... And so today we're going to walk through a couple of miracles. And while these miracles may seem like wonderful moments of joy and highlights for the recipients of these miracles, I think we have to keep in mind that these people have a story before this moment with Jesus. They had a moment in their story or seasons of life before this that they probably felt a lot like we do sometimes when we're going through painful situations. They might have felt hopeless, helpless in a challenging situation, might have been struggling. And so it's important to remember as we talk through this today, sometimes we read through all these things and we don't think about the people. We think about, oh, wow, Jesus healed everybody, and that's great. And, but they had a story before that where they were struggling. And so we can keep that in the back of our minds this morning. Uh, the story today starts like this. While he was saying this, A synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died. But come and put your hand on her and she will live. And so Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. So we have a synagogue leader, and he's come to Jesus. He's like a religious leader in the area, comes to Jesus. His daughter has died. We don't know how she died, but based on some of these similar accounts and other gospels, we can assume that it wasn't an instantaneous thing, that it was a drawn-out time of pain and worry and concern, culminated in him losing a child. I don't even want to think about that pain this morning. So there was a time when she was sick, or his daughter was sick, where they probably felt concerned, helpless, worried. And here he is. He's standing before Jesus, and he's hoping for a miracle. He's not wishing for one. He's hoping, Jesus, if you come and put your hand on her, 
shall live. So Jesus and the disciples go with him, and then this happens. They're on their way. They've just started. Two steps later, just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Jesus turns and sees her, and he says, take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. So here's another person who's been dealing with a lot of pain, except this woman has been dealing with pain for a long time, a significant chunk of her life. She's been in physical discomfort. And this is important to remember in this story that this is a different culture we're talking about here. This bleeding wouldn't have just made it physically uncomfortable for her. She would have been socially outcast. This blood would actually make her unclean, according to the Jewish customs. This would make connecting with her community very difficult. So she's not only dealing with a physical discomfort, but she is dealing with 12 years of social isolation, feeling helpless. And she's been struggling with this. And you know, I don't think this was probably the first time that she's ever sought healing, that she'd ever prayed earnestly that God would, would stop this bleeding. But in this moment, she meets Jesus. She touches his cloak. She's healed. And Jesus turns to her and says, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. I don't know. That's a maraca. All right. I don't know about you, um, but this phrase, your faith has healed you, did not sit right with me this week. Um, I don't know if it's this week. I don't know if it's this time in my life. I don't know if it's just um, the different things that I've seen and experienced. But I can think of so many times in my life, people that I've known who have prayed and prayed and prayed for something, and they weren't healed. They prayed and prayed. I prayed and prayed for these people. They weren't healed. That time where God intervened in their life in that way never came. And so this morning, I want to acknowledge that it's okay to feel uncomfortable with what Jesus says here. That your faith has healed you. What was it about her faith? Was it bigger? Was it bolder? But there's something about this woman that Jesus says, your faith has healed you. And this is why, to me, we have to imagine her life. Um, we have to imagine those 12 years where maybe it just took faith for her to get up out of bed every day. It took faith for her to continue to live. There's probably times where she felt so isolated, so uncomfortable that she just wanted to give it up to end things. But her faith, her faith got her to this point to meet Jesus. And last week, Josh talked about how in the last chapter before this, um, Jesus heals a man who's paralyzed. And before Jesus heals him from his physical paralysis, Jesus heals him spiritually. Jesus says, take heart, your sins are forgiven. This is the more important healing that Jesus does. Jesus 
forgives this man's sins. God offers a spiritual healing to this person. And then Jesus says, get up, take your mat, and go home. And so this morning, as we think about this bleeding woman, no longer bleeding, can we consider that her faith had healed her by simply getting her to that point? That she had a faith that got her here, that she did not give up, that she kept praying, seeking, hoping for healing. Because I, once again, I doubt that this was the first time that she had sought healing, that she'd prayed for healing. But all these years, 12 years, a significant time in her life, the time you're in kindergarten to the time you graduate high school, all of these times she wasn't healed. But her faith had kept her going. At times she wanted to give in, probably. At times she probably wanted to give up. She felt hopeless. She felt helpless. Perhaps her faith told her, if I keep sticking with it and keep seeking and keep hoping, I will be healed. And maybe her faith told her, if I keep seeking and I keep hoping and I keep having faith, I trust that God will do whatever is good, whatever that means. And so we know the story. She touches Jesus' cloak and she's healed. But the other story is a little bit different. Uh, When Jesus and his disciples arrive at the house of the synagogue leader, this man's daughter is already dead. They've likely spent days, weeks, maybe months, praying for the healing of their daughter, seeking out whatever sort of medical attention that they could in that time to heal their daughter who was sick. And she died. They were in a challenging situation. They had faith. They stuck with it. But things didn't end the way they had hoped. They lost their daughter. And we see Jesus arrive. And Jesus says this. He says to the people, the crowd, the people playing the pipes, he says, go away. Go away. And then he says this. This girl is not dead, but asleep. This is a bold claim, and I've thought and prayed and thought and prayed and thought and prayed about this quote this week. What does it mean? What what are we supposed to do with this, Jesus? Why are you saying this? Because I would think if you are doing a miracle, you're bringing someone back to life, you would want them to think that the person you did that to was actually dead. This isn't some grift that you're telling everyone you're pulling, right? Of course, the people there, they know what it's like when someone dies. This happens. This has happened throughout time. People know when someone is dead. But Jesus says, this girl is not dead. She's asleep. So we know what happens. Jesus sends the people away. Jesus goes into the room with the dead girl. He takes her hand and brings her back to life. This is an amazing moment. This is a turning point for this family, for this girl. She's been brought back to life from the dead. But here's the thing. The woman, the bleeding woman who was healed, and the synagogue leader's daughter who was brought back to life, they are no longer with us this morning. You cannot find them. They still died. 
All of the people that Jesus heals, that he brings healing to physically, they all later die. Everyone who has lived has died. And barring Jesus' return, we will too. And so as I think about this this morning, in a weird way, I'm very encouraged by Jesus' words. Because sometimes the thing that we pray for it, it doesn't come in time. That healing never comes. That relationship that has been broken never really gets back to the way that it was. And things end. And people die. And what do we do with that? But because of this, I think there's something encouraging that we can find out. That because of Jesus... Our death isn't final. Jesus knew, yeah, she's dead, but it's not that bad. She's asleep. So we have hope for that healing, that rightness, that reconnection now. And if it doesn't come now, we have hope for it later. We have hope for that after this life. At the end, our existence isn't over. We're just we're going to sleep for a while. Um, you may have heard of Rubel Shelley. He's a longtime leader in the Churches of Christ and minister, and he has a lot of connection to our Woodmont Hills family. Um, and within the last couple of months, his wife passed away. One of his friends shared this note that Rubel shared with him online, and I think it illustrates um, this really well. Rubel writes this, to his friend. A personal note, if I may, Bob. My wife is under hospice care with just a short time to live. Aggressive cancer that she has fought for three years has invaded her brain and lungs. She told her oncologist that she was tired and wanted no more treatment. She teases me. Now don't you be mad at me if I get to see Jesus before you do. November would have been 60 years married to this godly lady. Her request to family and friends is this. Don't pray for a miracle. Pray for a dignified exit. If you can think to include that in your prayers over the next few days, I would appreciate it. The hospice nurse thinks we are down to a limited number of days. In the old movies, it was a great moment when a girl let a boy walk her home. And I'm walking my girlfriend home. So as we go to the table this morning, let's remember, Jesus wins. Death doesn't. And whether that Jesus winning comes before death or after, Jesus wins. We can have that hope. Our faith, in Jesus is important. And whether Jesus tells us your faith has healed you, that thing that we want Jesus to come and flip over in our lives, whether that happens now or whether that happens afterwards, Jesus wins and death doesn't. And so I hope that's encouraging to you this morning.
And so as we go to the table, we can remember that Jesus came into this world to offer life. He offered life, a new life, to a lot of people while he was going around doing ministry, offering people miracles and doing different things. And we have that because of Jesus' final miracle. I guess not his final miracle, but the most important one, right? Where Jesus was dead and raised back to life. And because of that, we have hope that we will not die. We are going to sleep. We have life. Jesus is bringing all of these things in our life that we're praying for. He's bringing all these things back together afterwards. Let's pray, and then we'll go to the table this morning. Lord, we come before you, and though it can be hard for us to understand or comprehend your ways, God, why sometimes the things that we come to you with, you, you answer in a way that we understand, and sometimes, God, you answer in a way that we don't, and sometimes we don't know if there is an answer. God, give us peace. Give us faith to keep going to you with these things. And God, help us to trust that you have good intentions for us. God, help us to know and rest in the fact that whether now or later, God, you will make everything right. God, that we have hope for a future and a life with you beyond this life we know now. Fill us with your spirit. Help it to change us and grow us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed me yet. Your promise still.